Everyone dreams about living an uncommon life, but how we define that dream is very different for each of us. And for most, it's a lifelong pursuit. Welcome to the Uncommon Life Project Podcast. We're going to introduce you to people who are living that life or enjoying the journey to get there. We're going to also give you some tools, tricks, and tips for starting or accelerating your own efforts to live an uncommon life, a life worth celebrating and savoring. Please welcome your hosts, Brian Dewhurst and Philip Ramsey. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the Uncommon Life Project, where I'm your host, Philip Ramsey. And I am Brian Dewhurst. Uh, I love my job. I'm just going to say it right now. I don't, I don't even call it a job anymore. I call it a career. And so for the people who are listening that are our clients, thanks for letting us do it. We love what we do. Uh, we are financial advisors. And I hate that word, by the way. I feel like it's a four-letter word. When people ask me what I do, I'm like, ah. I own my own business is basically what I say, but we don't have elevator speeches. We're a little bit different financial advisors than your average. Uh, and we love to uh, unlock the true gifting that's inside of our clients and get them to do what they love to do every day uh, and to get paid for it. That's what we, uh, I'd say that's our motto. That's kind of like our core values. And when you start talking to people like that, a lot more people want to talk and uh, hear what you have to say because it's your plan, your customized financial plan. Uh, and then we put you in the center of it because you are your asset or your best asset. So Brian and I are owners of this company. We've been helping uh, families over how many years, Brian? Eight, nine, eight, eight, eight years in July. Uh, so we uh, love what we do. And if you ever would want to know more about us, we always have a 15 minute free consultation. Uh, and this is how we met our guests on the show today. So cannot wait to get into this. This is one of my favorite stories and uh, cannot wait to unpack this. So we have the one and only Bree on the show. So let's do the bio. We'll get her on the show and then we'll go from there. Go ahead. Yeah, this is actually one of my, fav one of my favorite bios too, by the way. <laughs> yes. um, so we have the one and only Bree King with us today and uh, her bio is one sentence and I love it. Bree worked in corporate health Healthcare for six years, had babies, started a side hustle, and is now living in a van down by the river. Uh, <laughs> yes. More seriously, she owns and operates the Riverwalk Airbnb and Elk River Outfitters in Tennessee. And welcome to the show, Bree King. Oh, thank you guys for having me. I actually forgot that I wrote my bio like that. Now I'm a little embarrassed. <laughs> you shouldn't be embarrassed. So just own it. first and foremost, we always try to like highlight different uh, aspects of the uncommon path, the uncommon life that we have with people. And so for you, it's really interesting because you called us out of a whim. You heard our uh, podcast with one of our mutual friends. We were on their podcast and you decided to take the leap of faith and give us a call. Uh, and I remember that first time we talked. I don't know if you did, Bree, but it was magical. And here's why. Because I wouldn't say that you were in a rut, but you wanted to do something bigger and you just didn't know how to break through that obstacle. Uh, and in talking, do you remember what we were like? You were telling me about the property that you owned. Yes. You like, it, is, it is the coolest property. It has woods. It's just huge. 
And I remember, do you, what, what was my suggestion? I can't wait to hear. What okay. You so I, I was actually mowing my grass, listening to the podcast and Justin Wise, who's my business coach at my marketing company, had you guys on. Yep. And I was looking at this property while I'm mowing and listening to y'all. And I was like, man, I can do something better with that 20 acres I never stepped foot on. <laughs> and so you said to look into having a yurt village. And I thought, you know what, you know what, this is the guy right here. He knows what I want. (laughs) It was great because I remember like really being reluctant to give you that suggestion. (laughs) And I'm like, all right, Brie, have you ever heard of a yurt? And here's what I said. Like she had such a big footprint and it was huge, like woods and it's in Tennessee. That's where you live. Right. Um, and it was like perfect for just like little yurt village. And when I was like, do you know what a yurt is? I remember like just you lighting up like, oh, I love yurts. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> we are kindred spirits. We are doing the deal. Oh, um, man. And so that's kind of what we started with. Like that was our idea and just kind of went off from that. Um, and so tell us the story. Okay, maybe we're kind of fast forwarding this. Tell us the story okay. of how you started this uncommon path um, and obviously you were, you were doing something else. So how did you start switching from that career mode to what you're doing now, owning your own business? What is the business you own? Give us a background. Sure. Um, yeah, I went to school. I've always been, uh, pretty driven. I would say I played college sports and, uh, went ahead and got my business degree or went to business school. Um, and I wanted to be in healthcare. I worked in Nashville and was at Vanderbilt Children's Hospital and just fell in love with healthcare uh, in general. I wasn't clinical, but just to have an impact, um, I really I loved it. And so I uh, had gotten married and moved to small town Tennessee. And uh, I ended up working for a somewhat local hospital. It was about a 30-minute drive, but climbed the ladder fairly quickly and got to see the good and the bad of healthcare or any major, you know, corporation or industry. Um, had to make some pretty tough decisions. I was in management. I think I had about a hundred people under me and I was, uh, twenties, was I 28 at the time? I think. And, uh, so yeah, I did. I think I got burnout. Like probably a lot of people, uh, had started having a family. So the energies had to be, of course, prioritized. And so I had little babies at home and a family. Um, And I just started thinking, I was like, man, I can't go on like this for another 30 years. It's draining me. Mm -hmm. I'm getting wrinkles. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I've got to do something different. And um, I always had a thing kind of for marketing. And I think if somebody were to say what my gift was, I keep hearing it just as far as making people believe that they can, I believe, I think is what my kind of gift is. And so to be able, I started researching anyways, I ended up starting a side hustle, a marketing company um, where we were doing a lot of marketing for the hospital. And I had other people wanting to say, Hey, can you do this for my business? Mm -hmm. I I at the time I had no interest in it. And then I think God just worked on my heart and realized that, look, if, if this is what you want, I'm giving you the opportunity. And so, um, decided to go ahead and go full time 
with my marketing business. It's been about two years now. So it's digital marketing. Uh, the ironic, yeah, the ironic thing is it's called um, Elk Media Company, which <laughs> is named after the Elk River, which I didn't know at the time would play such a huge role in my life today. So oh, that was don't you jump amazing. over? Yeah. Don't you jump to that? Don't you yeah, jump to that yet? Yeah. It's like a um, precursor. So- <laughs> it's uh it is just yeah hang on kids uh, so like you're divorced right and yes, so where was that uh in the transition to running elk media were you married at the time were you divorced like where did that factor in yeah it was a huge factor i was married at the time i started it um and so there was that fear of uh we had just built uh, our i say dream house um had a new company at the time my kids were so small and i think that if there was ever a time of fear that really had a grip on me i think it was that time so that was about a year and a half ago now that uh, I did go through a divorce and which was terrible. I don't wish it upon anybody, right. but it's definitely something that I just didn't see coming, but it happened. So mm-hmm. um, I would say if I was being tested at any point in my life, that was definitely a huge trial for me. Um, and I want to stress the importance of having your people who support you around you, because I think really they're the heroes um, when anybody's going through a hard time, difficult time like that. When did we meet? Sure. Was it, was it a year and a half ago? I mean, it was pretty close after, like, I remember yeah, you were I, uh, broken. Yeah, I was, it was shortly after that. Um, I think it going through anything like that really gives you a really, a very real, um, look at what you're, what you want out of life because mm. you're essentially completely broken down and you also have the opportunity to create a life that maybe like you were supposed to have or mm. other things prevented you from having that life and to really take a deep, uh, look at to what are those things that you want moving forward. Yeah, it's interesting for me to hear you. I want Brian to talk into this too, but it was it's interesting for me to hear your side of things being that you encourage other people. Because when I talked to you, it was like, "Whoa, this this woman needs encouraging." You know. Yes, I appreciate you can do that. This. And so, uh it's fun for me to hear that that's kind of normally what you do. And Brian's been also through a divorce and I mean, I would love for you Brian just to share your thoughts on that after hearing what Bree said. Well, I echo the hero comment about having people around you to love and support you because it is, you know, an incredibly painful experience on so many different levels. And um, yeah, I mean, I definitely think, you know, I don't know where I would be had I not had, you know, Philip and, and this business and all of our clients, you know, surrounding me. Uh, so that, that part echoed a lot. And I think too, you know, whether it's divorce or a health scare or, you know, there's, I think people go through different things where you kind of get torn down and it's a, it's incredibly painful. Wouldn't wish it on anybody, but in that other sense that it is, there is a revealing part of like, man, (laughs) everything I thought was true. Isn't as true as I thought, what do I want the rest of my life to be like? And when you kind of get laid bare like that, it, it is a place to rebuild and, um, have a fresh look at things. So in that sense, you know, I, I, I agree with you in there, but yeah, going through that process is incredibly, incredibly difficult. So 
normally I don't do this, but I'm just going to do this. Like it's one thing that we talk about with this whole uncommon wealth. I love that wealth is part of our name because it's not financial wealth. And that's, I think, what a lot of people will think of when you think of wealth, they think of finances. But Brian and I really feel like your core values and honestly, like your good and bad experiences have almost even more of a wealth component to your finances than anything else. Like going through things like like you guys have gone and everybody has gone produces endurance and character, which is a biblical term, right? Like, you know, James chapter one, verse two is my favorite thing. And it says just, you know, consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that testing of your faith produces endurance. And like, that's exactly what you're talking about. And so fun to be able to hear where you're at now. So Let's go a little further. So All right. the next time we talk, I mean, I'm thinking Brie King is on Yurtville Town, which, which I was super <laughs> excited about. Uh, so the next time I get a call from Brie, she's like, okay, some things have changed, which is kind of a, like a running history between Brie and I. She always will call me like, hey, things are changing. Great. Uh, so what changed our second conversation after we talked about the yurts? Yeah, so I I do live in rural Tennessee, but it is about 30 miles north of um, Huntsville, Alabama, which is one of the fastest growing areas in the country right now. Um, pretty huge uh, military um, base and a lot of industries coming in. Facebook, uh, I believe it's the FBI is coming in. They're putting all, it's just a huge tech town, engineers everywhere. And I have a mutual friend or a good friend that is a broker. And I, so I had built, we had built this house, went through the divorce. Um, I stayed in the house because it was my kid's home. So that was important and had 30 acres and this house. And um, she said, Hey, I know that you just built your house, but would you consider selling it? And I just had this feeling because I knew she wouldn't come to me unless it was something. And so Right. She went, we went through the details and the numbers. And I mean, I just started crying. <laughs> I just, I think I cried for about, I don't know, two days uh, because I knew that the opportunity I had was um, a rare one uh, because so many people were coming in and coming from the West uh, because the West cost of living is so much higher. They can buy property or homes in this area for much cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, then they could out there and just essentially pay cash. And so that what was, ha- that's what was happening was somebody was coming in to work in Huntsville, um, had offered me a once in a lifetime opportunity to sell. And so I thought about it for about a day. I actually woke up that next morning and I remembered this house that I had driven by. I'm always looking at real estate. I just like it. I just always am kind of looking around. And I thought, I wonder if that one house is for sale on the river. Um, And so I pulled up on the internet and it was, it had been for sale for almost a year and they kept dropping the price. And I thought, okay, I've never been, I've never stepped foot on this property, but let me go take a look. And so I think it was almost that day uh, we went and looked at uh, the house and property that I'm at today. So she calls me and she's like, okay, (laughs) things have changed. 
And I want to clarify, quick clarifying question. When you were crying, those were like tears <laughs> of joy, right? Not like I've lost it all. I'm moving that like, what, what was your thoughts when you were crying? Like good or bad? Yeah. I think it was almost like a exorcism of all the emotion <laughs> I'd been trying to hold myself yeah. together for, for about 10 months. And, um, I had, we built the house and it was our second home we had ever built. And I really picked out everything. It was like my perfect, I would say summation of comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, of what I would say if I were to build another dream house that would have been it and I'd probably just build it again but also everything I'd went through the fear I think mm-hmm. coming out um, the opportunity I think I was super humble that felt like this was definitely some divine intervention happening just as far as you know you've been flirting with this idea i'm going to mm-hmm. give you the opportunity so let's sure. do it you know are you going to do it or are you just all talk type of thing right right <laughs> so i think it was just all of that everything just coming out so she calls me and she's like i got an amazing <laughs> offer and i've got this other property that i'm kind of looking at and uh so i looked it up on the internet too and i was like oh my goodness this is better than yurtville this yeah, is, it's way better. And so describe the property because that's what I think sold me of like, ooh, this is a great opportunity and you seem like you have the drive and the tenacity to do it. So describe the property to our listeners. Okay. So uh, there's a, a pretty uh, large river that goes through our town um, that connects into the Tennessee River, which is a major, major waterway uh, downstream. And there are not that many properties on the Elk River that are primary residences. So this property is about two miles from the main town center, but it also feels super remote. So I pull up, it's a log cabin is the primary house. It's not huge. It's about 1500 square feet, two story. Um, I could tell it had been, it needed the, there was, it was grown up everywhere. Nobody had been living there. There's a detached garage. Um, and then I walk onto the property further. It's about two and a half, 2.6 acres. And down at the river, there are three cabins that have not been finished. Mm-hmm. Um, little, almost like tiny houses. They look like about 200, 300 square foot tiny houses. Uh, and I remember walking Melissa, of course, my broker, she's getting eaten up by mosquitoes. She's just getting <laughs> eaten alive. And she said, I looked at her, I said, this is the motherland. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this is it. And so, um, yeah, we, I ended up putting a offer. I got it for a steal and uh, did have to get flood insurance just because in the winters it can be pretty unpredictable and ended up my house appraised for what they wanted to give me uh, and we did the closing all in one day. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It all, and it almost it was crazy because uh, he was a VA guy and so he had a lot of paperwork at, which typically takes a lot longer and every yeah. Melissa said if this all goes through this is meant divine to be. intervention. Right. Yeah. And it, it, it went seamlessly. Oh, so you got the property. you you got elk, elk media at this point, mm-hmm. right? Uh, what's the first thing that you did? Like, what was the first thing? Did you do the primary residence or did you start uh, renovating these cabins? Yeah, I did the primary residence. It needed just a little bit of renovation to, to make 
my kids comfortable. I mean, they had been, I don't know, a year and a half since they've been living in that new house and made it their own. I wanted to make it super comfortable for them and sure. wasn't necessarily an upgrade, but also just as far as a lifestyle upgrade, it needed to be something better than what I didn't want to make it feel like it was a downgrade. Mm-hmm. And so we did a little bit of renovations inside the main house. And then we started one cabin at a time. Okay. So your vision right away was to turn those cabins into like a little resort type feel, yes. right? Um, yeah, I wanted an Airbnb. Right. And I remember talking through that and like, oh, like the more unique, this is what Brian and I would say about Airbnbs. The more unique of a property you have, the better chances of people are going to come in. Um, yes. And it did seem like things were falling into place fairly quickly for your favor. For example, like your friend that was a banker that called you about the canoes. I want you yes. to talk to that because like you are like <laughs> right on the river, right on the river. Yes. So tell right us Right on story. the river. I always had the idea. I mean, if people are going to come stay, I for sure want to highlight the experience. I knew I had have I would have to have some kind of boats, canoes, kayaks, something. And so I had a friend. Uh, they had just repoed a bunch of canoes at uh, another business down the road, and he's like, "Look at I got these canoes. Like, do you want them? Because I don't want them. Like, the bank doesn't want these canoes." <laughs> and so I did. I ended up um, buying them with a canoe rack trailer and then yeah I had to I had to buy 10 I only needed like three or four of them I ended up selling <laughs> I think six of them so I was like well here we are living the uncommon life yes. <laughs> yeah I sold six of them so I ended up paying for itself but yeah that's amazing my son had swim lessons the other day and the teacher said don't worry or Kaden said the teacher uh don't worry she doesn't have any money. She just sells canoes. I'm like, don't. <laughs> I was like, don't worry. You're going to get paid. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yes. So good. Okay, Keeps Brian. I've, I've been like running this thing. So you got to go. Sorry, buddy. Oh, no. It's, I think, just such a testament to kind of like you said, though, are you going to walk to walk? And we run into a lot of people that, are constant. The comment I kind of keyed in on from you is like, I was always kind of constantly looking at real estate. And I think, you know, when we talk about the seven sources of residual income, real estate is a very powerful one. Um, and so it's like doing something that you're naturally doing on your own and that you have an interest in, you, you know, have an understanding of. And I know a lot has been said about Airbnb everything was working in your favor and we just went through, we're shooting this kind of a, I don't know if it's the tail end of COVID-19 or not. Um, But how has that kind of impacted things uh, in your world? Yeah, I think uh, two in two ways. One, I noticed that because of the way my property is set up, it is isolated from having like going to a hotel or condo type of scenario, we have people all around. It is somewhat isolated and out in nature. And so I do think, especially with a couple comments that have come in where people have canceled their big plans, but still want to get away, but just need to do so in a local manner. I think I have for sure gotten some bookings because of that. I would say the other positive thing 
is that it's given me another lever, another lever to kind of pull and push when I want. So if something like that happens again or something in the future and say it disrupts my marketing company, I feel better knowing I have something that could help me with making up the difference. So right. just, I, I really yeah. like that opportunity. Right. For sure. So how many cabins do you have renovated currently? I have one completely that has been rented for a couple of months now. Just yesterday, I finished the second one, which I'll have that listing up probably early next week. And then the large one that sleeps six, it will be done by the 1st of July because I already have it rented. So I hope it's done by then. <laughs> <laughs> if you build it, they will come. Yes. I love it. Okay. Yeah. So there is another wrinkle to the story. Always is because Brie will call mm-hmm. me and, hey, there's something changed. Uh, so tell us about the headstone on your property because that's a big deal. And I got yes. super excited about that, um, which ended up being awesome, but not as awesome as... Anyway, so tell us about the headstone. Yeah, there's a headstone there, which um, that was the only thing that kind of, I would say, freaked me out when I first visited the property. I'm, I'm, I've never been really big into scary movies or anything because right. I'm a big chicken. That's why so I saw it. it uh, it's a pretty elaborate headstone and it has a iron fence around it. I could tell somebody really took care of it uh, before I bought the property and did a little research, had some people that used to, I think it just kind of hang around this property and it was almost like word of mouth um, that there is a couple that is buried there. You can see the names. Um, it's We call them the Greens. It's uh, James Green and Hetty Green. And when I heard these tales of them, I ended up going and researching uh, through um, Ancestry.com. And it turns out that James Green was one of the first paid slaves to fight in the Confederacy during the Civil War. Wow. That- and... Yeah, it was so it was really cool because his wife is also buried with him. Uh one of I can't remember which is which, but they died around like nineteen fifteen and I think nineteen seventeen. So the gravestone's fairly old, but I always thought it was interesting how elaborate it was. Right. So for the time especially. Um mm-hmm. come to find out that his owner deeded him the land when his owner passed away. So he deeded his James and his family the land and they ended up raising, we have found five kids so far um, on the land and uh, they were married for over 50 years before they passed away. So it seems like a super happy story that like turned into something, you know, decent from what it was at the beginning. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was like a time when you were like, this could be worth something, this property because of that specific thing. Tell us about how you figured out that and kind of went down the rabbit hole there. Yeah, there is a um, uncle nearest who is um, really, well, not related. It's in relation to the Jack Daniels distillery, which is about 15 minutes away from here. It's a super huge tourist destination internationally. People from all over the world come and visit. Um, They, uh, let's see, Fawn Weaver has started a company called Uncle Nearest 
whiskey and what she has brought to light about a situation is that uncle nearest was actually or nearest green as his name was actually the person that taught jack daniels the recipe for the old number seven and so i thought wow what an opportunity if this is related to have just more connectivity to what Fawn has been working on as far as bringing light to a story that had been in the past kind of brushed under the table. And mm-hmm. so um, I ended up contacting her and she said that it was a different, it was different lineage. Um, the greens in my backyard are from Kentucky and Uncle Nearest was from Moore County. So um, just a cool opportunity there, but she loved the story and hopefully we'll continue to um, be in communications with her on that. Yeah, I love how you took something that could be so negative, and now you've kind of wrapped up the whole greens, the James and Hetty Green story mm-hmm. in your Airbnb um, as kind of like a reverent kind of thing, right? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's a responsibility to take care of it, and just out of respect. Um, I'm still not like super okay with having people buried in my backyard, but <laughs> I, I think it's probably a lesson I needed to learn. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really neat to be able to tell that story to people before they come so that they mm-hmm. know the history and what they're, what they're, where they're going to be spending their time, um, over the weekend or whenever they visit with us. Totally. Super neat story. I mean, <laughs> it's just, I think the other thing that I'm, drawn to with your story, Bree, is the, I call it the layers of the entrepreneurial onion. I think oftentimes as entrepreneurs, we start having a little bit of a success and we want to get out like an apple or something Mm -hmm. um, instead of just peeling out the layers of our own onion. And it took me a long time to learn that. And I just think that with this opportunity that you've created and you know, God's blessed you with. It's just like layer after layer of just blessing over what you're doing, you know, instead of trying to start something new, you're just peeling back the layers of the onion. And it's just like, maybe not onions, not the best analogy, but you get my point. It's just the deeper and deeper you go. It's like the more value you can extract and not even to make it about money, but just like the, uh, the, the romance of the whole story. You know what I mean? Like there's just so much depth to the property and to the, what you're doing for it and, and what it was and, and what it will be. And it's just neat to, to uncover all that. Thank you. When you like forecast this thing, let's say three cabins and all complete, or you can talk specifically now and you only have one, two now since of yesterday, how does this cash flow for your yeah. personal, you know, like business and, and how does that work? Yeah, I have, uh, well, since I do it through Airbnb, the cool thing, and I think I've heard you guys talk about, I mean, before they get there, Airbnb is sending you a draft to your account. Um, and so you're not the one exchanging money they're taking care of so a little bit of insurance for you as far as like people are freaked out to have them come onto one of your properties they kind of cover you in that um minimal cost because i have already a mortgage on this property so it's not like i have another mortgage i need to cover and yeah the one cabin right now of course we're in high season and i'm still playing with the price but the one cabin's bringing in about extra 1500 a month right now wow So I'm hoping that 
I'd like to get an extra 3000 when I get all of them going sure. and Philip and I talk about this a lot of kind of what's next because I, I have to make sure I don't get ahead of myself. But I think what I've learned is I really enjoy the process. Mm-hmm. And next, I, I once I get the third one done and everything's rolling and I don't have to be in it as far as scalability, hiring the housekeeper, getting the dry cleaners now doing the linens, have the keyless mm-hmm. lock entry. So I don't have to be tied. Like what's next? Is it a, right. another rental property? Is it more traveling for my family? So that's really fun to think about the um, possibilities. And like what this a- happens so quickly. Like I just want to just really. <laughs> this is all within like what? The last a year and a half. Like <laughs> nine months basically though. Yes. Like from really maximizing. Right. I mean, I just am so encouraged about that. And to try to figure out how to systematize this whole thing in a way, here's my question. When do you want to stop doing what you're doing today? Never. I never do. I love it. This is like, if I can tell anybody, and I hope there's many millions of people listening, like when you get into your sweet spot, when you start like really going after your unique giftings and Brie, you're doing that. So kudos. Like you don't want to stop doing it. And then retirement's like, wait, what? Like, I'd never want to retire from this. Like, I want to keep striving for the next layer, the next layer. And it's been fun to be able to like be alongside of you, be your co-pilot in this uncommon journey you're on, because that's like my job of like, okay, hey, let's get this one streamlined and then let's move to the next thing. But knowing that the timeline, like you said, Brian, is six to nine months, like this is not like years and years of 30 years I've been investing in this thing. Like it doesn't have to be. And to see your encouragement and your enthusiasm working towards this thing is like, let's go. And you can get <laughs> paid go. for this. Like it's ridiculous. Okay. I got three quick points. If, if we have time. Oh, we have time. It's Bree King. I think too, oh. like <laughs> as we, as you, I guess I'll go back to the onion analogy, but as you continue to develop different you know, value within this property and you're researching history and all these different things, the less likely someone is to come in and trash your place. You know, like when you're showing them so much extreme value, it's like no one's going to want to come there and throw a party and wreck the place, you know? And so I think that diminishes kind of that, which is, you know, we talk about Airbnb quite a bit or short-term rentals, all of that. And that's typically like the biggest objection right away is like, well, they're going to trash my place and all this stuff. And it's just like, well, it doesn't seem to be our experience with, you know, you know, dozens of people doing this. But so I think that's point number one. Point number two is like you mentioned traveling with your family. You know, when you own an Airbnb, travel then to me in large part becomes research and development of if you stay at an Airbnb, like, oh, we should do this at our Airbnb or, you know, we think, you know, like all that stuff becomes a potential, you know, business deduction, consult your account. And I'm not a tax advisor disclaimer, but you know, a lot of that stuff does become, in my opinion, tax deductible to your business because you're getting value and looking for different ways to improve your own listing. So that was point number two. And then point number three is just like, could you speak to, do you have like a vision yet of you know, maybe your kids already are helping on the property and kind of a role they could play in, you know, facilitating this uh, environment that you're creating there? Good question. Yeah, really good question. Um, I do notice probably half of the people that come have children and half don't. It's more like uh, couples that want to get away. And I think two things. Yes, uh, 
the, my kids, I think about it a lot because where a lot of people may have 401ks and aren't comfortable with uh, this kind of more, I guess you could say, risk-taking or however you want to categorize it as far as creating this kind of life. Um, the cool thing about this kind of life is you are leaving a legacy. And so mm-hmm. I think about as far as my kids in relation to what I'm doing, not so much that right now they're playing a huge role, but I think later on it will be crucial and oh, at least giving them a yeah. different perspective of what, if they want to have this kind of life, they can, if not, that's okay too. You know, we'll support them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is the opportunities with the kids that come to see my son, who's a little bit introverted, just kind of start blossoming. We had a deaf couple that um, the parents could not hear, but their kids could. And so they're Mm -hmm. signing all the time. Well, they've been with us now three times come back because they love it so much. And my kids have become friends with them and they're learning some sign and seeing a different way of life. You know, not all of us are exactly the same. And I've just gives me goosebumps to think about you know, just the the perspectives that they're getting, meeting right. other people. And it's not all the time. It's not like we go entertain them, but just, I mean, we let them run around the yard and my kids are out there running. So they, totally. they make friends. Super cool. Right. I mean, I think it's just instrumental that they see their mother taking these choices and doing these things and they get to be a part of this. Like right now, they're kind of in a little incubator of uncommon and their mother (laughs) is the spearhead, truly. And then when they get older, like, well, what do I like to do? And I love that the level of engagement, this is what I've kind of been trying to quote, like we've been talking about when we talk is the level of engagement from you, I want to be as low as you want it to be or as high as you want it to be. And so to put uh, processes in place or people like you talked about, like the electronic locks. So you don't, you can be as hands-on if you want, hands-off if you want to be, or you can be engaged with them of like doing a campfire and s'mores or however level of like engagement you want to do with your customers, uh, your guests, you can do that. And so it feels way more, I would say, approachable than I'm locked in this. I have to do this. Like that doesn't feel good to anybody. Uh, And so you've done a great job of thinking and forecasting and your kids are watching that. And so for them to be able to, like you said, make friends and then like keep having these relationships, like is a powerful testimony just to this uncommon life that we, if you do what you love to do, like... It's, it's exciting and it doesn't have to be a drag and you get to do this every day and you get to tweak things and you get to figure out, is it, can I, can I charge more? Can I charge less? Like what's next? So man, I just love it. So you kind of touched on this before you wanted to make sure it was an upgrade for your kids. Do you feel like you've achieved that? I do. Uh, I will say living on the river for 10 months out of the year is absolutely amazing. And then in the winter in this area, uh, there are threats of, of floods. And so just to be cognizant of that, uh, mm-hmm. I think would be the only thing as far as my point of view that mm-hmm. I have to remember the spring and summer is just amazing. And so that gets us through the fear of, you know, if the river floods, et cetera. I feel like 
they now see that when people come over and there's so many people that want to stay where we are, I think that gives them a little bit of pride mm-hmm. and they're proud of where they're living in this little log cabin that we have. <laughs> and um, yeah, so that makes me pretty happy. Mm-hmm. Should. So what's next for you, Bree? What do you think? Oh man. Well, uh, we did go ahead and we're kind of testing out a beta for, we have an apparel company called Elk River Outfitters um, to kind of still go along with the whole branding of the overall brand. Um, mm-hmm. We did that. We're testing that right now. And I believe what I want to do is um, once I get all three going, uh, pay the house off and then start looking for the next rental property to add to the portfolio. I just feel like the scalability, I know we talk about this a lot, is just mm-hmm. unlimited um, as far as how much you want to do and if you want to do it or not. Right, right. Man, isn't this a great story, Brian? Let's be honest. She's pretty uncommon <laughs> and she fits really well to this podcast. Well, I'm so, glad I found you guys are uncommon too. So there you right. go. <laughs> Sorry, I was muted trying to, but I, no, I love this story. And as you're saying, like, what's next? I've literally had, you know, Philip knows me. I've had 32 ideas, but the one that came to mind the most, and maybe I'm just a nerd, I think you should get metal detectors. I just think oh, there's gold in them, funny. their hills <laughs> and the history of the property. And them, metal metal detectors would be so much fun, low cost. Everybody could uh-huh. use them. And it'd be cool to see, you know, if people found stuff on the property and all of that. So anyways, take it or leave it. No pressure. But that was what came to me. <laughs> so Bree, how do our listeners hear more about you, find out about you, like reach out to you, give us the details? Because I have a feeling a lot of people will. Yeah. Um, for sure, email is just B-R-I-E at elkmediaco.com um, or just hit me up on Facebook. That's awesome. Man, I love your Uncommon. I love your journey that you're on. Thank you for yeah. reaching out to us and just taking that plunge. If you are on the other side of this uh, podcast and you want to do that 15-minute call, we would love to engage, try to figure out what's in common in your life and get you down this Uncommon path because it is not only enjoyable, but it's kind of scary too, but it's also like totally worth it. And so once you start going down there, it's a slippery slope, but like Bree, uh, you can dominate it. So Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Uncommon Life Project. I've been your host, Philip Ramsey. And I am Brian Dewhurst. Thanks for listening. Again, go to www.uncommonwealth.com. Thanks. Go be uncommon. Thank you. That's all for this episode of the Uncommon Life Project, brought to you by Uncommon Wealth Partners. Be sure to visit uncommonwealth.com to learn more about our services. Don't miss an episode as we introduce you to inspiring people who are actively pursuing an uncommon life.